Hello, listeners, and thank you so much for joining us for this edition of CT Bites Hot Dish. First of all, I'll tell you, we are at The Acoustic in Bridgeport, Connecticut, friends of the show. And I'll set the scene for you. This place is a music venue, and we are so thrilled to be here on Off Hours because you get to be in the belly of the beast. We're going to get into the belly of the mind of a chef in just a few seconds. So the first line of his Instagram bio reads, Cool Dad, Sexy Husband. We'll get into that a little bit later on. (laughs) His name is Chris Scott. He is, in fact, a chef, but he's also a philanthropist. He has been on Top Chef. He has owned countless restaurants. He has also seen the likes of President Barack Obama and Nelson Mandela in said restaurants. He is slated to open up the highly anticipated Birdman Juke Joint right here in Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And we cannot wait. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Chris Scott. I love the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Now just say for me, cue the sizzle. Cue the sizzle. Okay. That's it. You said it. All right. (laughs) That's our little catchphrase. Cue the sizzle. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Yeah. My pleasure. I know how busy you are. We were uh, just across the street um, from the acoustic is home to Birdman. Yes. Where are you in the planning stages? I guess I would say close. Mm-hmm. then I don't want to give any more I like it. or less. Yeah, know. yeah. So I want to start first with, um, first of all, welcome to Connecticut. Thank you. You come Thank you. by way of Coatesville. Yeah, man. Which listeners, we have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> and Brooklyn. Right. And now Bridgeport. Right. So let's start at Coatesville. Yeah. That's where you were brought up, yes? Yeah, I was born there, you know, um, and, and, and that's kind of where I, I cut my teeth, basically, you know. I mean, as, as you well know, it's a very small town, mm-hmm. you know, smack dab in the middle of Lancaster County and Philly. You know, population, I mean, back then it was maybe 4,000, 6,000 people. Crazy. You know, a little still mill town. You know, Luke and Steel all the way in, in West End. And then you go east, and then there's the Dairy Queen, McDonald's, yep. Pizza Hut. You know, <laughs> you're like your real small town kind of feel. Right. Very, very country. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's where my family lives, you know, and it's where I, I came up with my grandparents and, and, and my mom and my cousins, you know, and just really, you know, live that small town kind of country lifestyle. Right. You know, we discovered we have this connection because I went to boarding school not yes. far from Coatesville. Right. And we we already did the name game of, do you know this person? Do you know that person? <laughs> and it's interesting because you said when you came up here to Bridgeport, your family said, have you met someone right. from yeah. Coatesville? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my family assumes that a person from Coatesville lives in every, in, in all in all 50 states. <laughs> you know, you and can you, you find. Said, you said you met someone in Denver. I was in Denver about three weeks ago. And a guy came to the pop-up and he said, hey, I'm from Coatesville. Like, get out of here. I love man. it. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yep. I have to ask your, your family, uh, was your Nana Pearl? Did she live in Coatesville? Yes. Yeah. I bring that up because you have nominated her right. um, with Red Mill, yes. right? Yes. T- tell me a little bit about that because yeah. she had a very, very uh, important yeah. role in yeah. your life. So currently Bob's Red Mill is, uh, you know, the whole grains company they're doing. I, th- I think the guy that runs it, Bob, is turning 90 wow. this year. 
And um, I'm in a partnership with them currently to where I have to nominate someone 65 or older uh, who has really, you know, put an emphasis of love and togetherness and kindness uh, for me. So I nominated my grandmother, you know, Pearl Brown or Nana, as she's known in the family. Mm -hmm. You know, she was that person. You know, she was a very she was was very much into in 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 into the church she was very much into gardening uh she had eight of her own kids 26 grandchildren wow after that and enlist uh second and third cousins now mm-hmm. you know but um but she's the one that really instilled love and kindness and togetherness and hope you know and all of that you know through her all of her struggles mm-hmm. but just always you know be kind towards others, Mm -hmm. you know, do your best work, you know, like she was the one that really instilled all of that. Those are such simple facets and simple characteristics, right? But, but, you know, a lot of people say it, but here's a woman that lived it, right? you know, and every single step of the way, because you would, I always say that the best stories are the stories in between the stories, Mm. you know, and if you watch her in her garden or if you watch how like there would be times when I would wake up getting ready for school and I'd come downstairs and there would be some old person downstairs on the couch or in the kitchen having breakfast that I've never seen before. And the, the person would leave and I'd say, Nana, who's that person? Yeah. And she'd say, oh, you know, he needed a place to stay tonight or he was hungry. And your Nana had brought him into, in, your home. into the house. Yeah. I wonder then this is now starting to make sense to me because is this the genesis of your generosity, your involvement with your communities? Because you were on the board of the Food Bank, yep. NYC, yep. Um, numerous other organizations and yep. charities. And it all seems to come from working with those that don't have the needs. Right. Um, I hate the word disenfranchised, but right. it's, it's there. Right. Do you get that from her? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the core. And whenever I'm struggling with anything, you know, that's where I go to for my spirit. You know, that's where I go to get refueled, you know, to, mm-hmm. to remember her and her words and her spirit to kind of rejuvenate me to be able to do all these wonderful things, you know, that I'm doing out in the world. But I also remember what it's like to grow up poor in Coatesville. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember what it's like to for my buddies, you know, the same people to, you know, see their family struggle, you know, sure. and, and, and none of us were, were rich people, yeah. you know, and, and, and by the grace of God, we all got out of Coatesville right. and were able to go to college and do all the fun things mm-hmm. that, that we're doing with our lives now. But um, it, it's like when you, when you can, can connect with, with a person who has a similar background, you know, and then you want to uplift them. You sure. want to bring them up. Like my time on Top Chef. Which I just discovered. Yeah. You got rejected four times. Yeah. And then I... And then, <laughs> which, and, which is and, unbelievable and, to yeah. me. And then in my heart, not like outwardly, but I kind of boycotted the, the show. Like I, at, at that point, I wouldn't watch anymore. You know, I was just really concerned on on my family and my work mm-hmm. and what I needed to do for the community. But explain it to me. So you audition, you apply, you write in, you you the find way, the, you find the gatekeeper of the way the way that it goes down. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways. 
they they'll have like these uh, cattle calls, mm-hmm. and they'll say, "Hey, you know, we're 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 casting for such and such season," right. you know, or you'll have a casting director call you up, you know. So there's a, a few ways to do it, but when you apply, you have to write out this. It, it's almost like a nine-page application. They don't make it easy. It's not easy. Sheesh. Right, right. <laughs> and then after that, they'll take a look at it. And if they enjoy what they're looking at, they'll call then you up call and, you and then you'll do a Skype. Um, and then if you get past that point, then you'll go for a tasting. And then if you get past that point, then like more Skyping with with more higher up people. Right. And then the last one, they'll fly you out to L.A., to actually meet with the board of directors for Bravo and Magical, Magical Elves. Elves and all those things. Holy smokes. So, so you're sitting in front of them and then you're telling them your story or whatever you want right, right. to talk about. But the whole process is, my God, it's almost like two months. And you had gone through that process four, four times. Four times, yeah. Dios and, mio. And, it's, and, and, and it gets expensive because back then, well now it, it's, it's different, but back then they would want footage of you and footage of your of your dishes but they didn't want it taken with your phone so, no so you would have to either know a professional with a photographer, photographer or pay somebody Shucks. two three hundred dollars to get this done oh my at gosh the, at the same time you know you're you're setting aside time to take these photos you're setting aside time to make these dishes you're setting aside time to to do all of that you're Still trying to be a, a dad and a husband and, and a, a restaurateur and, right. and do all that at the same time. So it's like, geez. So after the fourth time, you know, I, I thought, okay, cool. I'm done. Yeah. You know. But the universe had plans for you. Right. And the way that it happened is that um, the casting director at this time called me. And she said, listen, we're casting for season 15. Are you down? And I said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to have to decline. You know, me and my wife, we just had our second baby. We just opened up Butterfunk. Things are busy, you know, and I kind of don't want to go through that two month journey to only you. be knocked off again because because right. now I know you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I, I know what's happening here. <laughs> right, right. Knock right, me right. down 10 times 11. I don't right, know. Right, right. So at the end of the shift, I go upstairs and because we lived up above the restaurant. So I, I went upstairs and uh, I told my wife, I said, hey, listen, I got a call from a casting director today about the show. And I told them no. You know, and she goes, why? And I said, well, you know, how would I be able to go on? I mean, we now have our second kid, mm-hmm. second restaurant. You know, who's going to who's, who's gonna yeah. do all that? She said, call them back and tell them Yes. And we'll find a way. And I called them back, went through that process. This time got on, and I was away for seven weeks, and she held it down. Wow. Two young babies and two restaurants. You see her? Yeah. Look at that. You know what I mean? I love, I, when we, we've spoken to so many people in, in the food world, and I'm always so impressed and humbled by the partners you all have. Right. Because... I mean, I'm just going to say it. They're the real bosses because right. they, they really help you. help you all realize your dreams. I couldn't do anything without her. And I'm talking about like to where she protects the story, mm-hmm. you know, from from people that might try to change it. Right. You know, she's there for me in my support, 
you know, so tell me straight up, this dish sucks. <laughs> Fix it, you know. Which dish did she, did she do you remember oh, which man, dish? There's, there's several. No way. <laughs> She's like, baby, I love you. Right. Don't ever serve this dish. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've been together for 10 years. So, I mean, there's countless plates that right. have been in front of her to where most of the time she'll go, oh, okay, you know, it's yeah. good. But also, you know, there's that, no, this is not you. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And now a word from our sponsor, Norwalk Now, where businesses come together to bring you their city in real time. Experience Norwalk's vibrant dining scene from quintessential New England fare and locally sourced seafood to low country cuisine, prime steaks, Italian favorites, Mexican eats, and high-spirited drinking wells. Visit norwalknow.org and meet the talented chefs, restaurateurs, and barkeeps who continue to raise the bar of our local dining scene. For restaurant news, special events, seasonal promotions, and more, visit norwalknow.org. So we um, we, we hear about Butterfunk mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Yeah. You dust off your passport. Yep. Cross the New York, Connecticut state line. Yep. I know what it's like. You can still see my scratch marks. Right, I've right. been here for 13 years. You can okay. still see my scratch marks <laughs> over the state line. But here we are. Right. Uh, why the decision to come not only to Connecticut, but yep. to Bridgeport? Right. Well, the original idea was to go and try this in Philadelphia, where I'm okay. from. It was sort of kind of be like a hero's welcome back home, mm. you know, and especially since a lot of what Butterfunk's food was all about, that Pennsylvania Dutch influence into Southern food, right. that would have been the best spot to do it. The Amish soul food. Correct. Right. You know, but uh, but a liquor license in Philly is almost about 275000 So before you even buy one plate, one fork, one knife, you're already 275 in the hole. Wow. And Forgive me for not knowing this. Yeah. So that, that sounds incredibly high. Right. It's, it's, it's based on the Quaker laws. I don't believe that Pennsylvania is issuing new liquor licenses mm-hmm. for new businesses. So let's say you have a restaurant sure. and you've done it for 30 or 40 years. And now you're about to sell your restaurant, but you still own your license. So now you can sell me your license, but now you can name your own price. Oh my goodness! Like a taxi medallion in New York City. Boom! Holy cow! Right. Go on, and go. now, and now, some of them, some of these people even try to get crafty. They'll say, "Hey, listen, I'll lease you my liquor license, no. so I get a cut of what you make." And here we just think you're a talented chef, and you just make good food. I can't wait to go into your restaurant, sit right. down, and eat it. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm. I. I hope that one day the state. Kind of steps in and sure. and fixes it. Yep. You know, but Regulates that's why if you right. go to Philly now, there's tons of BYOBs. Tons of BYOBs. Interesting. Yeah. Boss Lady and I have been to Philly, and we were we've said over the over the past year, like, wow, the culinary scene there has really changed. It has. Totally. Holy smokes. Anyway, yeah. enough yeah. of Philadelphia. Not yeah. that we don't love Philadelphia, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Philadelphia's loss is our gain. Correct. So you decide. Yeah. With your partner. Right. So we come up here to Bridgeport where it's much cheaper, mm-hmm. much cheaper. And ever since we kind of put the word out that we're going to be here in Bridgeport, the response has been through the roof. I mean, we're not, we haven't even served not one chicken leg yet, <laughs> you know, and already, you know, the government from the city, from the state, um, 
all the way from Hartford all the way down mm-hmm. to Stanford yep. and all the and cities everywhere in between in between you know I've been here uh, talking to high school kids and 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 sitting in with them and doing so many things for the community just like back in Brooklyn mm-hmm. you know that's really what my spirit tells me to do but just that embrace of community because for the longest from what I'm hearing is that Bridgeport was sort of like the armpit yeah. of Connecticut, you yeah. know, and now just with Birdman coming here, so many people, and especially people of color, finally have a place that they can look at like, wow, here's this guy who looks like me, who yeah. has a similar background as me, opening up a spot that could possibly change the atmosphere of this city. You know, and, and, and the embrace and the excitement behind all that, you know, puts a lot of responsibility on, on my heart, but not one that I'm afraid to, to go forward with. You yeah. know, like I, I take that on and I want to bring the people of Bridgeport and involve them in almost every single thing that I'm doing. You know, I just don't want to be that restaurant across the street that's coming here taking your money. You know, I want to be the one that's also giving back. I also want to be the one that's donating my time, you know, to whatever you might have going on as well, be it high school kids or homeless people or people Mm -hmm. returning citizens from prisons or or whatever the case may be. You know, I want to have my hand in a little bit of everything, you know, just because now this is going to be home base as well. So I want to treat it like that. You're incredibly inspiring, Mr. Mm. Scott. <laughs> I think when I hear you say this, you know, it's the difference between, you know, gentrification gets a really bad rep right. because so many people come in, descend on a city, change it, and suddenly the city no longer has its original yep. identity. Right. And it sounds like you are mindful of what Bridgeport is and oh, what yes. it can be. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. you talk to, so who, so tell us some of the organizations, I mean, I'm, I'm, my mouth is salivating about chicken and right. you're telling me you're going and talking to, to school kids, you're talking right. to different organizations. So I was at Westport um, at the Staples High at School. At Staples High School. Yep. There's, a, there's a huge culinary program there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hooked up with them and I basically just sat there and talked about, you know, my background, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, for those that are looking to get into the field, gave them the joy and the pain Mm -hmm. of what the lifestyle is all about. Like that liquor license. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, when you're young, don't expect to make a lot of money, Mm -hmm. you know, but just keep your head down and focus and learn and apply, you know, and listen, you know, and just all these lessons that I've learned as a young chef, even, even still, you know, but just kind of giving them the groundwork of what this industry is all about, you know? Yeah, because it's not just about sharpening your knives and no. doing your mise en place right. and coming up with a menu. I There's... always say it's not like a cocktail party. I'm not walking around with a chef jacket, mm-hmm. you know, with my name on it, acting like Mr. Rourke. <laughs> like, welcome. To Fantasy Island. Welcome, everyone. Right, right. Let's, 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 let's eat. Yeah, right. Aaron Spelling is rolling over (laughs) in his grave right now. I love it. Talk to me about your food, please. Because, you know, I feel like I got to know you watching Top Chef. Your cycle, 15. I think someone said, one of you said, someone should have won a Nobel Peace Prize for putting that cast Uh, of characters together. Yeah, Yeah. I said that. (laughs) Thank you for saying that because I I, I tend to agree. But um, describe for me the dish you're looking forward to the most. Uh, serving at Birdman or at, in general? 
Well, let's start with in general. Okay. Well, you know, a long time ago, Charlie Trotter said, you always have to be on the quest for the perfect meal. Mm. And I guess knowing that that dish will never come because you're always on the hunt. And that's what keeps you hungry. You know, like you have your bow and arrow and there's the there's the target right there. And you can easily shoot it and be satisfied and just kick back like, all right, I did it. Let me just keep on going. But then that keeping on going part isn't as fruitful or as voracious, you know, as it once was when you were hungry for something. Right. So he said, you know, stay on, stay on the course, you know, you know, be, be, be on the hunt for that perfect meal, you know? So I kind of take that philosophy, you know, um, I recently just got into the food of my roots you know, I've been cooking now for about 30 years. I'll be 51 on Sunday. Why do men not age, Steph? <laughs> I swear. Men age in reverse, especially men of color. I mean, I'm looking at your skin. I'm like, damn, what moisturizer does he use? Because it's so nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway, back to the food. Right. You've been cooking for 30 years. Right. And, and a lot of it, you know, is based in, in fine dining. You know, a lot of like really classic French and Italian, you know, dishes. And, uh, but all throughout that time, you know, I would try to, I was always cooking someone else's stuff, mm. you know. And then a couple of years ago when I became uh, sober and you really start to look within mm-hmm. and try to fix yourself yep. and you look at, at your own roots and that food culture was a part of it. Got it. You know, and then once I was able to embrace that and really go deep into my family history and the culture of black people in general, you know, that I began to discover so many wonderful things. And that and and the techniques of of that just came naturally. It was it was already in you. It was already there, you know. And uh, so now just me exploring that, you know, is has been endless. You know, Uh, the one type of food that I'm looking forward to doing over at Birdman is the more vegetal stuff. Because a lot of people, when they think soul food, immediately think fried chicken, Mm -hmm. ribs, grits, and watermelon, Mm -hmm. or anything that's red velvet. And that's so not what Southern food or soul food is. Southern food is really based on the agriculture. So wherever you are, you know, if you're out in Kansas, if you're in in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, it, it's, it's what is grown and then what is prepared from that. Because black people were so poor sure. during that time, things like butter and cream and sugar and meat, you know. Those were like luxuries. Exactly. I mean, and my, fam- my family's from Puerto Rico. Right. And whatever they could, you know, whatever right. was being grown or was being sold at the local market, that's mm-hmm. what they, that's mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. mean. Protein was far too expensive. Right, right. So you get creative. So... I, like a, a a normal dish from that time would be something that was grown in the field, you know, and then and made into some form of stew. And if you were lucky, you might have like some bone of an animal mm. to flavor the broth. And then that would be poured over top of a piece of like stale or day old c- cornbread or so. And then you would eat it like that. And yeah. that and that was a classic meal. Things like fried chicken and everything kind of came to light because those are fall into a category called celebration foods. Mm. 
So let's say it's Sunday and the family is getting together or there's a wedding or a graduation or something like that. That's when you bust out all the, the goods. The big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> that's when like the fried chicken and the jello and the and the and the red velvet and all that comes out. But those were not dishes on a day-to-day things right. and those certainly were not dishes that the slaves ate. You look at if 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 people that work the fields were eating that kind of diet, they would be plopping over left and right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Especially in that hot sun, working in the conditions that they needed to. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be no way for their bodies to sustain that type of diet doing that type of that work. That lifestyle. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I really want to educate, you know, what Southern food is all about mm-hmm. and really focus on the vegetal stuff, but also give you, you know, good fried chicken, you right. know, good stuff like that. But with the fried chicken, tell you the story of the Birdman. Right. You know? Which actually, thank you. Mm-hmm. Who is the Birdman? The Birdman is the individual that worked the plantation who tended to the birds. He built the chicken coops. He took care of the chickens, the turkeys, you know, things like that. He took some of the feathers and used them as plumes. You know, if you were a little girl back in the day, your mom would say, run down the street, go see the Birdman and pick up some eggs. Run down the street and go see the Birdman and bring back a chicken for for this weekend. You know, the Birdman was the one that took care of the chickens on the farm. He was one, one of the black farmers from back then. And... After slavery, chicken husbandry was was the one way that this individual worked their way out right. of poverty. Right. Because he knew how to raise chickens. He knew how to sell eggs. He knew what to do with the meat. That those farmers eventually became butchers. Right. Those butchers eventually became chefs. You know, it's the story of 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 kind of going through it, you know, of the tragedy, the joy, the pain, you know, being resilient during that time and taking something as as simple as a chicken you know and turning it into something so great that maybe two or three generations after that farmer your children are able to go to college and do right you're able to buy a house now they're able to live like a normal human being you know yeah that story shows the resilience of the birdman so this is like the long and the short story mm-hmm. of this individual. Right. Mm-hmm. Paying homage to right. the Birdman. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Your face just lit up, by the way, <laughs> when you were telling me that story. Since yeah. this is not a visual medium. Right. What do you cook at home? And do you cook or does your wife cook? Uh, she cooks. She okay. cooks for sure. You know, um, she, she'll, she, now that we have like all this time waiting for the, the restaurant to open, you know, she'll uh, cook for the children. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, have two? And we have two. How old are they? Uh, soon to be six and four. You're in it. Oh, you yeah. are in Man, it. Man, you ain't lying. I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old. Well, don't sleep. I got, I, I got, <laughs> I got, <laughs> I have two daughters also, and the oldest, she's 21. Okay. She's about to graduate from Reed College out in, in Congratulations. Portland. Yeah. That's and very exciting. And another one, 17. Okay. Yeah. So you've so, got this so blended the, family. Right. Yeah. And how do they all get along? Of course. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. And the little ones just love the big sisters. I bet. You know. I bet they dote on each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sweet. <laughs> how, will, how will you, um, it's a long drive 
from from New York City? Hour and a half on a good day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes up to three in traffic on a bad uh, day. You don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. And, right. and, and and I've only seen two ways here. You can either take I-95 or, or, the or, or 15, right? 15, so, Right. Yeah. So you have so only if two you wanna, choices. So if you want to sound like you know, mm -hmm. you're really doing this Connecticut thing. Yeah. It's the merit. Okay. So yeah, I had to take the merit. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to out yourself as you know. So that's my best bet? It depends. Listen, okay. I work in Queens also. And right. um, on a Friday, yep. I, I am... I am calling on any higher power to keep Help me you sane. Through, right? I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so you'll make it work. Right. You'll make it work yeah. and, and get up here. Some days I'll catch the train. That's the other thing I was going to recommend. Yeah. The Metro yeah. North, yeah. for all its bumps and bruises, yeah. at least you can meditate or, or, or do your read, thing. Read, whatever. Or read. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. What is your hope for this restaurant because it's more than just the food you're about to serve to this I'm hoping, community. I'm really hoping that it, it makes a mark for the community. You know, I want it to be one for the ages. You know, I want it to really, you know, inspire the people of Bridgeport, you know, to, to be involved, to look more into community, to love thy neighbor, you know, when they see everything that I'm doing outside of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then when they come to the restaurant, just know, hey, man, that's some banging chicken. You know, <laughs> or I'm, I'm digging this salad, right. you know, right, right. you know, for them to really have that. But 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 mainly for them to really be able to connect with me. Yeah. You know, like that's the guy that's changing the climate, the atmosphere, the conversation right. here in Bridgeport. I know you said earlier you're not the guy, you know, Mr. Rourke with your chef jacket. And, right. Um, uh, but yeah. how, how will you interact? Because it always fascinates me when, when I go out to dinner with my family yeah. or, or the boss lady. If I see this, the chef, I'm like, oh, my God, I almost want mm -hmm. his or her autograph. Sure. How do you – clearly you're setting down roots in the community yeah. by virtue of talking to folks here. But – what will it be like when you're actually in the restaurant? When I'm there, I, I, I need to be submerged in the food. You know, cooking is where I lose myself and find myself all over again. You know, so I need to, like, have my hands in it. You know, as long as I'm prepared all the way up until service, I can pass it off to all the cooks and the sous chefs to do service. But I still need to be in the room, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll walk the room. I'll, you know, say, hey, thanks for coming, yada, yada, yada. But I know that that everything that's on your plate, I had my hand in, you know, so there's nothing that that I haven't touched or checked or know about. You know what I mean? Like I need to be involved. You know, it's just my nature. And we thank you for it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for this restaurant to open up. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time. Yeah, out of your my busy pleasure. Schedule. Anytime. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, boss lady, I think the acoustics should have like some sort of party here for the opening of, of Birdman Juke Joint. I can do quality control okay. and just taste your food. That, that's, that's fine by <laughs> me. That's fine by me. <laughs> Coatesville, Brooklyn, Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. Chef Chris Scott, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank Can't you. wait. Looking forward to all of it. All right. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And if you like what you hear, I mean, why wouldn't you like what you hear? Head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, download, and like us. CT Bites, Hot Dish. Like us more than once. Leave us a review. If you are <laughs> so inclined, go over to our social media channels. Tell us what you think. We are thick-skinned. Chances are you're going to say something nice, though. And if you don't, the boss lady will.
find you in some back alley. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. And now a word from our sponsor. Norwalk Now invites you to experience a city on the move, featuring a melting pot of food cultures and truly unique dining destinations located throughout the coastal city of Norwalk, Connecticut. From quintessential New England fare and locally sourced seafood to low country cuisine, prime steaks, Italian favorites, Mexican eats, and high-spirited drinking wells, Norwalk Now is thrilled to introduce you to some of the best restaurants in the county. We invite you to visit norwalknow.org and meet some of the talented chefs, restaurateurs, and barkeeps who continue to raise the bar of our local dining scene. Get the most up-to-date restaurant news, special events, happy hour details, seasonal promotions, and so much more at norwalknow.org, where businesses come together to bring you their city in real time. You can also check out their events on Instagram and Facebook at Norwalk Now.